This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined, once again, as always, with Jim Sebastio in studio. Jim, hello. Good to see you. Good to see you, Brian. So we uh, have an important topic we want to get to in a moment. But first, we want to say thank you to those who have been supportive of Practical Shepherding in the past. Those who have been just encouraged us in, in all kinds of ways that we're able to been able to serve you. If we can help in some way, go to the contact portion of practicalshepherding.com and write us. Let us know how we can help you. If you have things we would you'd like us to address on the podcast, or even reach out and contact you and have a conversation with you about your situation, we have staff and people who can who can help do that. Uh, if this podcast has been helpful, you go to iTunes and write a review for us. Uh, it helps spread the word of the podcast. And so we're, we're grateful for the feedback we get from so many of you. And Jim and myself have been encouraged to get to talk and interact with a lot of you who've listened to this. So thanks for your time in that. Uh, we're going to tackle a topic today that is something that, that really every pastor in a church has to try to think through. And it's and it's a really hard topic. It's, it's something that a lot of Pastors have trouble even knowing how to introduce. So that's this is a big topic, but we want to to just skim the surface really today and introduce this topic, this idea of church discipline. What is church discipline? Is it in the Bible? How do we understand it? And and for those who don't know what what church discipline is, it's the com- it's the confronting of sin within the church that's unrepentant, that you have members in the church who are proclaiming the name of Christ but don't seem to care at all about uh, those who might uh, be in 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 heinous, maybe scandalous sin, and and someone has to confront them about that lovingly for their own soul, for the name of Christ. And so in an American church where sin is a hard topic to talk yep. about at all, this is an important topic. And we want to have it in this framework first, and that's that we, we, we think about, we want to talk to especially pastors listening to this who know this is a burden in their congregation. They know as you lead as a pastor, you have to be mindful of how to how to deal with sin in, in the midst of the lives of our people. And yet many of you are taking churches, some of them that have been around for 50, 75, 100, 200 years, right. that have never done church discipline in any way in the church, and you're trying to figure out how to introduce it to the church. That's what we want to try to realistically tackle in regard to this particular topic. So, Jim, will you first just set the idea for those listening? We don't want to assume people know this. Does the New Testament address how sin is to be confronted in the local church in in the New Testament scriptures? It does, Brian. And, of course, there's maybe a striking difference between in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Under the Old Covenant, sometimes you got stoned. uh, Yeah, or things cut off. Or you were hung on a tree for doing uh, certain things and sins. That's right. The church is not under the uh, Old Covenant laws in, in, in that way, and the church does not have the power of the state, but the church does have a power and a responsibility to deal with and to confront either impenitence sin or scandalous sin uh, in in its ranks. And you see this from the very beginning. In in Matthew 16 and Matthew 18 are the only two times in the Gospels where the word church is mentioned. So Matthew 16, it's the church triumphant. I will build my church. Gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Matthew 18 you have the situation of you can you confront a brother, he doesn't hear you, you bring witnesses, he won't hear them, and then you tell it to the church. And if you won't listen to the church, it becomes to you like a tax collector, Gentile. And, and so you have the church militant, you have the church triumphant, you have the church struggling in its sin and the reality of living in a cursed world, the reality that 
believers may go into horrible sin or the reality that you may be dealing with somebody who's not really a Christian, but they've made their way into the assembly and how mm. that's to be rooted out. Uh, and by, and the way, by the way, Matthew 18 is the clearest of the three parts, steps of discipline that a lot of people talk yeah, about. Yeah, but too. I think you have to recognize that it's, it's I, I think that when you take the other passages together, that Matthew 18 is... It's sometimes viewed as though it's exclusive. Oh, you didn't follow Matthew 18. Right. Uh, that it's, it is it is but one of several passages right. in the scriptures that I, th- I think it is the more it's the most general one to deal with. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, right, where, right. where Paul talks about really the seriousness of church discipline in which you have somebody who's involved in sin that such as is not even named among the Gentiles. And this one, in not being or not hearing the church, they are put out and they are handed over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. Paul says that their soul might be saved. Yeah, there's no process. That's there. really, really powerful. Right. Uh, and there, in fact, Paul says he's already he's already in a sense dealt with this, and he's, and he's exhorting them as the church because church hasn't dealt with. It. In fact, the church has taken kind of a perverse pride in not dealing with it, and maybe something very modern about that aren't we tolerant or you know look at what look at what we won't deal with uh, or that you know everybody can do anything right yeah um and then you also have um the second thessalonians chapter three also deals with it and there it's probably the most gentle there you have somebody who's not treated as an enemy but treated as a brother and they're admonished uh because they're walking what's a disorderly they're walking out of step and so uh, i'd like to Brian, just talking about, you know, why why do we deal with this? I mean, what, why is this important? Well, we could say, well, simply because it's in the Bible. But I think we need to recognize that in some of these cases, the glory and honor of God is at stake. Yeah. That the reputation of the church, that the careless lives of others in the church, because you have, you have actually a situation that Paul deals with in Timothy where elders are confronted after a process, and it says, let it be done publicly so that others might fear. And the idea there is that it ought to have an effect upon you. A little leaven, Paul says, you know, leavens the whole lump, and sin that's not dealt with has a leavening effect, but sin dealt with also has a leavening effect. You're right. Somebody who might be on the cusp of committing certain sins, they see, wow, this gets dealt with in this church. This is made a public matter in this church, and it becomes an incentive and then you do it for the offending party himself. You do it that they might be saved. You do it that they might actually respond and repent. And then I think we also do it for the sake of the watching world, uh, mm-hmm. that the world recognizes that, you know what, they, the, these people do take sin seriously and that yeah. there's actually a degree of fear. When Ananias and Sapphira were killed, it says that fear fell upon all the people. Yeah. And it said, none dared join themselves, but the Lord was adding daily those who were being saved. Yeah. And by the way, everything, all the points you just made were excellent. And they all come, every one of those come out of 1 Corinthians 5 mm-hmm. as implications. If you read that whole chapter, right. it's not just that there was no pro- like that it was such a scandalous sin that there wasn't a three-part process. Right. Like there's a there's an immediate removal because the Corinthians weren't doing anything about right. it. Right. And everything you just mentioned were implications that Paul writes about in that yeah. chapter. Uh, years ago, Brian, I when I was, you know, part of the church plant here, we were we were meeting at, at a holiday inn and there's about 20 of us who was meeting together regularly. Mm. Well, there was a church in the area, I won't mention the name of it. I'll 
but that they broke up, that church folded, and about 20 people from that church started attending our little assembly. Well, okay. One Sunday morning, they came in. It was really kind of exciting. So we had to go doubled get, in, we in doubled a week. in size, and I was on my way in Christianity Today. And getting this is a numbers. Southern Baptist would have loved that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, what's the percentage of my uh, growth there? <laughs> my, my, uh, well, of course, being me, I blew it. So, you know. <laughs> That's right. So That's I was right. preaching through the doctrine of the church. This was my first year here. I did 40 messages on the doctrine of the church. So that's another crazy thing I did. But anyway, I really don't think it was crazy. I think it was good to do. But uh, I was dealing with the task of the church, and one of the tasks of the church was discipline. So I opened up some of these texts and how you do it and why and whatnot. And some of these folks that had just started coming, a guy came up, and he kind of put his arm around me and kind of gave one of these like, <laughs> uh, hey, um, uh, you're just kidding, right? He said to me. <laughs> I said, what? He said, I mean, you're, you know, you know kind of whispering, you, you don't. You wouldn't really do this. Hmm. I mean, you were just saying it, right? And I was like, "Well, show me in the Bible where it's wrong." But otherwise, yeah, if we have to do this, we're going to do this. Yeah, yeah. And, and that led so uh, within two or three weeks, they were all gone. Almost all of them were gone. Yeah. Uh, as a result of teaching and opening up that this is serious, the Bible takes sin seriously, impenitent sin is taken seriously, and sometimes it becomes an open public matter. So let's let's address the pastor listening to this who specifically and I by the way I get written about this regularly. Mm. A pastor goes into a church. It's a church that he he can realize has never has done any kind of formal church discipline at all and that in, in the midst of like confronting sin in the church when needed. And he's trying to think through how do I even begin to introduce right. this? And of course and this comes in the situations where there's there's sin in the church, and he's right. trying to figure out how to, so he he inherits a church where there's open you know marital affairs taking place, but nothing's ever been done about it, and everybody just kind of accepted it, right. and he's trying to figure out what, what like what do I do with this, and and so let's let's talk to the pastors who are finding themselves in this situation. What are some what are some beginning steps, Jim, for for a pastor to help again? And I want to use this term only. Gradually teach them about this because because a lot of pastors want to just jump in, but that yeah. usually is a shock to the system and does yeah, not receive it, it well. It is, and, and sometimes again, the first time that anybody's ever heard one of these passages is like, okay, we're going to discipline somebody later today, right? Uh, but real quickly, here's what the Bible has to say about it. Yeah, I, I think one of the things pastors ought to do ought to find some way whether it's preaching through a book like the Book of Ephesians, which has a lot of ecclesiology in it. Where you, where you you're talking, so okay, let's 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 take some time and let's talk about the doctrine of the church, and, and through that, say, you may have heard things in the news, you may have heard things about scandal in churches, and you've said nothing happened. So, like, when I first moved here, there was a very famous case of a man who was a member of a church, prominent church. He had raped and murdered his girlfriend, wow. his fiance, and he wasn't disciplined. Wow. There was another guy who was a teacher at a Christian school. He had shot his wife in the head, cut off her head, and was in the process of burning her body when he himself caught on fire. Uh, and that kind of led to his arrest. You know? wow. and, and he was a member of a prominent church, taught in their Christian school along with his wife. No discipline. Like nothing happened no, to him. Nothing. I mean, nothing publicly. And I thought to myself, what do you have to do here to be, you know, to get church discipline? You know, question, and, yeah. and, and, and so that something like that might become a framework. You might start something and say something like that. Yeah. And say, listen, the watching world sees this 
And what's the number one complaint of the watching world of the church? We're a bunch of hypocrites that we we say one thing we don't we you know this matter of holiness or this God standards and and push comes to shove we don't really believe it we don't really practice it particularly if this person is prominent or this person's given money you know their their hands off they're never going to get confronted they can do right. anything in the church right and you just say this isn't right and, and let's consider together from the Word of God some of these passages so preach Matthew eighteen. Preach through 1 Corinthians 5. Preach through 2 Thessalonians. Preach through some of these passages so that it becomes a part of the language of the church so that when it comes time to practice it, you're able then to call back and say, Brethren, you remember when we looked at these passages? Well, let's refresh ourselves. Mm-hmm. And let's remember why. And so consider again those areas, the glory of God, the witness of the church, the health of the one sinning, and the witness to the world. And and bring those people along because the question is always going to be, isn't this unloving? Aren't we treating this shamefully? Doesn't God just forgive? Hmm. Shouldn't we just forgive? Why do we have to deal with this? You know, all of us sin. All of us do bad things. All of you, know, blah 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 blah. And you have to be able to counter that with exegetical biblical you know truth. So you have to be able to 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 put this really so firmly on exegetical grounds, but instruct, instruct the people. And, and I would just encourage them, sometimes you can't help this because you haven't been there long enough. I would encourage generally don't, don't wait until the last minute uh, as you have a discipline case to deal with it, but, but strive for an opportunity to teach through the doctrine of the church, some of the basics of the church, and this is a part of the doctrine of the church. Well, what, you're, what I'm hearing you say, Jim, is that this is this is another one of the many reasons to do expository preaching through books of the Bible. Right. Because what'll happen is as you preach through books of the Bible, you will get to these passages. Right. You know, and so when you get to them, it gives you the chance to preach about it. You can't avoid the passage. And that's the other thing you teach people when you do exposition through books of the Bible. And it and it allows you to address something hard. With, without having a, an issue you're having to deal with on top right. of that. So that's where a lot of pastors get themselves in trouble. They face their first situation where they know they have to do something, and they haven't taught on this. And so then they scramble and do like a couple of sermons on church discipline, and then we're going to bring one of the beloved family members who's who's in a who's in a, having an affair with a woman in the church, and uh, and and they want to try to address that, and, and nobody nobody knows what to do with that. Right. that. That's where a lot of guys get rushing rushing into things. So preach through books of the Bible. These texts will will come there and, and be helpful to you, and it won't look like you're using the pulpit as a, as a springboard, uh, but you're actually just teaching through uh, the Bible. Another thing I would throw out there, and this is, this is to your point that you were making, look for the really obvious examples to start with. Mm. So you can, it is good to bring up the, the man who's like murdering pe- people and and nobody did anything. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that, 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 that should makes, be a fairly obvious one. That I makes mean, the like, point, no doubt. Maybe murder, yeah. But but what I when when guys contact me and ask me about this, it's usually in light of there's this situation and I know I got to do something. But this church has never walked through something like this before, so I I find that trying to in some ways I have I have advised pastors who normally in they're they're two years into their church. It's an 80-year-old church and has never done this. Right. I would typically not say, two years, you don't need to do this. But I would say to them, look, because you have this situation, that the most immature Christian uh, who finds out that you know, this, you know, this, this father in the church 
has molested all of his children, and there's clear proof of that. Mm-hmm. And, like when you have an obvious case like this, right. even the and most it's immature, not just a legal matter. There it should be a legal matter, but it's also going to be an ecclesiastical exactly. matter. Well, that's, so I mean, the, to the point, like I said, that you're making. If you got somebody who's who's clearly murdered somebody else or, or something right. like that. So I, I tell them, look, because you have this situation, the most immature Christians in your church probably would be supportive of you ma- taking action in some fashion. And what what pastors find is that's actually true. So so that was the other piece I would say. Look for the really obvious things. There was one instance in our church where uh, we we did discipline in a First Corinthians five matter. So there were not steps being done, but we actually yeah. had a man in our church who. Um, who physically assaulted his wife in yeah. public. Mm. And when we got word of that, we actually called the church together, and we used that as grounds to... We, we removed him from membership immediately. One, because it was public. Yeah. Two, because it was scandalous. Right. Three, because it was just really obvious right. in a lot of ways. So that was the other. So that's one piece to it, is you need to gradually teach through the years on this if you're trying to introduce your church to this. But if, if God gives you a situation, you know you have to act. You almost have to act uh, for conscience sake. You're like, if you get fired, you get fired. But I have to do something about this. That can be the opportunity the Lord's given you. I think, Brian, we'll, and we're going to talk about this in a future podcast, you need to have a climate where pastorally where you know, sin, is, sin is clearly named, sin is clearly condemned and exhortations are regularly given to repentance right and that that is carried on in the pulpit about the sins of our congregation not i want to talk about them commies out there and you know in venezuela you know or this socialism going on and you know that okay well you sound brave i'm those homosexuals in in, in hollywood well right. And uh, and there's stuff going on in your own church that you're aware of that you won't right. you won't address. You won't address the marriages in your church. You won't address the laziness in your church. You won't address the pornography in your church or whatever it is you know, that you are. And then that it's carried on also appropriately privately where you're dealing with things and. That there are times when it's not when we talk about discipline. Sometimes we think we go all the way to excommunication. It's not just excommunication. That's Sometimes right. That's right. It is a public exhortation that uh, there's a, there is a brother in the church. This is the situation. The elders have been dealing with it for months. We it has gotten to the point now where we believe it needs to be a, a, a public matter. We are doing this, and in the Bible, even uses this language. This is hard language in modern ears that they might be ashamed. That and that and the hope is again. What, you're, what are you trying to bring about there? You're trying to bring about repentance. You're, you're trying to help that brother to see. Listen, brother, this is going to have to become a public matter. So right. you know there there are marital issues sometimes, and you say, listen, if this keeps on. I'm not going to hide this from the church. And at some point, because we we need to pray for you, you're in an emergency situation, and we've got to deal with that. So that's part of the whole framework of the church, so that the first discipline case, and the first, well, he never said a word about sin. They've never said a word about holiness. They've never said God takes this seriously, or that it affects people in the church, or that it affects our witness. That's part of the foundational life of the church. I have two final thoughts, and both both compelled uh, compelled to say hearing you just now. Number one, and you alluded to this, so much of church discipline happens privately before it goes publicly. Right, public. So uh, if you're listening to this, 
that the public, especially Matthew 18, the, the public step is the last step. Right. There is a pursuit. And here's the second thing I want to say is that church discipline is to be motivated by love, which means it's to be done in a loving way. I've watched discipline bring serious harm on people and churches because it's not done in a loving way. It's done in a harsh way. It's done in a way that is is not redemptive or, or, or with a seeking to restore someone. Right, right. So, You're trying to wash your hands of it. So, so lo- this, so all discipline supposed to be done in a loving way. And two, often most of it, and over the course of a lot of time and blood, sweat, and tears and hours and hours of counseling, that these things happen in private, hopefully to restore your brother or sister without having to go public necessarily. Right. So just keep that in mind as, that this is supposed to be done in love or it's a disaster in the church. Any okay. final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I want to say one word that's hopeful. And this, yeah. is, this is anecdotal and this is personal, but it is very hopeful. Almost every case of discipline that we have had as a church has resulted in repentance. Really? And and uh, we've had times where people have, you know, they left, they walked away, or they were actually excommunicated, but out of the church, and they've come back. And in one instance, uh, it led to the conversion of a man's wife. Uh, hmm. It led to his repentance, conversion of the man's wife. Wow. Uh, there, I, I wish I could tell some other stories. But I don't want to embarrass, and I've re- I, people from the church listen to this. I'm, Are you? I didn't know that happened with so-and-so. So I don't want to do that, but regularly people that have been, had their sins confronted very hard, but have come back sometimes years later and, and said, thank you for what you've mm. done. And it, you, you did exactly what was right. Hated you at it, hated you for it for at the time. You did what was right. Yeah. God's used it in my life. And that's a great testimony. I appreciate you sharing that because our situation, we've had a few of those. We've had more where we didn't, where there was no repentance and people left and it was very painful. So as we close this, this episode out, it's important that you hear that because the goal in church discipline is what Jim articulated and that there's repentance, there's restoration, there's, there's, uh, there's feelings of love that, that somebody felt loved and hard things said to them in our situation, in a fallen world that even doing this and trying to do this to the best of our ability, people are not always restored. There's not always repentance, which is why Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 5 that we do this so that their soul might be saved on the last right. day. It can be that thing to, to pierce the conscience maybe decades later for that mm. individual Amen. that they come back to the Lord. So, Jim, will you pray for an incredible amount of wisdom that pastors need to have as they even try to think about introducing their church to this idea? Father in heaven, we do pray for the the, the brothers listening here and uh, who who may be struggling even now, and they recognize and realize this is right, and they're and they're afraid. Uh, others are confused. Others are are seeking help. And uh, Father, we do pray that all that they need would be granted, where it's courage, where it's wisdom, uh, in regard to the process, or just to the ability to to go ahead and go forward with what they know is right to do. Father, where to confront, where to be patient, uh, how long to draw a thing out, how quickly to deal. All of these things, Father, are matters where we stand in desperate need of your help. We pray, Father, that we would not wait too long and that we would not be too fast. And we recognize the damage that can be done uh, by action and inaction. Father, we feel at times beset uh, on one side and the other. And so we need the help of your spirit. And we pray that you would grant it in your son's name. Amen. Amen.